The Powers on Sports podcast is brought to you by TicketSmarter.com, Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and our real estate agent in the state of Florida, Star Alvarado. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is good. 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The two one swung lane drive left field. One run is in. Here's Kevin Green. He's the run of the play. He is safe. Nice this is the Powers on Sports Podcast. All right, welcome in. Powers on Sports Podcast. Appreciate you finding us on your favorite podcast platform. If you haven't already done so, hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform. You'll get the episode dropped to your device or your uh, laptop every single week uh, throughout the football season and throughout the rest of the year. Uh, we are in week two National Football League, heading to week three of the college football season. We're going to get into some uh, NFL notes and news and notes. We're going to get into some college football news and notes. We're going to uh, I'm going to hit on the U.S. Open, which wrapped up over the weekend, and we've got two great guests for you today: George Offman, author, longtime sports media member in the Chicago market. Uh, the creator of the Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast, which is a terrific podcast about uh, media members and such in the uh, Chicago area. Uh, and also, we're going to talk to T.J. Reeves, sideline reporter, Tampa Bay Buccaneers Radio Network, regular contributor to this podcast. He also hosts several uh, shows, Three Dog Thursday, a uh, which is a uh, underdog uh, picks show. He also ho- uh, hosts a boxing uh, podcast. Lots of different things TJ is involved with. He's a uh, announcer with Compass Media. He was in the at the Penn State. Uh, he did the Penn State West Virginia game a couple weekends back. We'll be doing some other games throughout the college football season on Compass Media. An all around terrific guy, uh, very diverse, and helps us on lots of different fronts. So we're gonna be talking to uh, George and TJ about Week One National Football League, about the Aaron Rodgers injury. Where do the Jets go from here? Some cool Chicago Bear stories and some nuggets about the Chicago Cubs as the playoffs approach. They are having a terrific summer on the north side. We're going to talk about their their prospects of making the playoffs and maybe doing some damage in the uh, National League playoffs. So we're going to have some good chat. We're even going to talk a little Chevy Chase, a little Fletch. And even some mattresses with George and TJ. So stick around for that. It'll be coming up in just a few minutes as we uh, work through the uh, college football and NFL uh, news and notes from last week. Let's go to the college. Starting the college again. If you have, uh, find us on Twitter and X at JPO Sports, and you can find these interviews with TJ and George and all the previous Powers on Sports interviews, as well as my Florida Football Insider podcast interviews. Uh, talking about all things State of Florida college football on my YouTube channel, the Jason Powers Sports Channel on YouTube. A lot of great video content for you. A lot of these interviews from from weeks past, episodes past, and such. So check it out as well. Appreciate the uh, the support. So um, let's start in the college football world. 
How about Deion Sanders makes it two in a row? Take care of Nebraska last week at home up in Boulder, home opener. So much so, so much hype building. College game day will be in Boulder this week for the Colorado-Colorado State uh, in-state rivalry. And if they get through this game, they've got a date next sat the next two Saturdays, but especially next Saturday, they go to Eugene, Oregon to see the Ducks. And if they get through that, then the Heisman Trophy favorite at this point, Caleb Williams, comes to Boulder in week number five. So we could have a tremendous next couple of weeks. And if they get through those two weeks, they will officially be for real and they will definitely be in the top 10 uh, in the country. So we will see what uh, Dion and the Buffs do these next couple of weeks. Again, college game day will be in Boulder on Saturday. I'm sure you will see plenty of Dion Sanders uh, chatter, and you'll see him on in, uh, on on stage with the guys. I think first take is going to be in Boulder on Friday with Stephen A. and company. So this is the week for uh, ESPN to capitalize on Dion because remember next week is going to is a huge card of games and. Uh, on the docket. This is not a great schedule for this week, so this is the perfect week to go to Boulder. You don't have a, you don't have a lot of marquee games. You got a couple of games that we're going to talk about here in a second, but it's a pretty dull schedule on the college football slate. So the perfect week to go to be in Boulder with Dion and Colorado State, uh, in in and uh, all that all that hype. So Texas, what a win for Texas in Tuscaloosa last week, thirty four twenty four. Give Sark all the credit in that program. They went to Tuscaloosa and they went toe to toe with Alabama physically on the in the offensive and defensive lines. Quinn Ewers played a really good game. They scored 21 points in the fourth quarter, and more importantly, they were able to run out the clock in the last seven minutes in Tuscaloosa by running the clock out, which is a tremendous job by Sark. Again, physical football. They were physical. They were they were playmakers. Xavier Worthy, Quinn Ewers. Good offensive and defensive lines, really good job. And I think if you're if you're being objective and you're an Alabama fan, you saw the flaws in Jalen Milrow as a passer. Uh, just not a lot of ability to, right right now. Good could be a good player. Not a lot of ability to complete the intermediate passing game. Tough to to run a complex passing game with him. It was, it's basically either a, a a screen type of pass, very short. Or a, th a throw over the top is kind of Alabama's uh, mo right now in the passing game. He struggled mightily in the intermediate passing game, which is where you can make some real hay in the college game. Uh, still a good runner. Alabama didn't, was not able to get the running game going. They really thought their offensive line could do some damage and establish a running game against Texas. Not able to do that. As much credit to Texas as blamed Alabama on that front, but. Uh, what a job by Sark and, and the Longhorns, and we'll see if they can uh, keep it going. Again, good to see some of the perennial national powers from years past, Texas, Florida State, Penn State, get back in the mix here with the heavyweights, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. Great to see these big name, big brand programs back in the, in the national playoff hunt and national chatter around the country. Uh, Texas has got a pretty good schedule moving forward, so they, they ought to be in a great spot. You could probably still lose a game and still be, uh, if you run the table in the Big 12, even with one loss, you could probably still get in the playoff of your Texas. Florida State, obviously, it's got a big game next week at Clemson. Penn State uh, goes to Illinois. It can be a tricky game this week, and they've got a, a couple of big, huge games down the road. But 
Great to see these uh, big brand programs back in the mix uh, with, with Texas going to Tuscaloosa and getting it done. Speaking of Alabama, Alabama will be making it their, their next game is here in Tampa where I'm at. They're visiting uh, University of South Florida this Saturday. Largest home game in USF Bulls history um, as far as marquee matchup. Uh, the Crimson Tide come come to town Saturday, 3.30 on ABC. It'll be a good, you know, Alabama's going to be a, is a heavy favorite and is going to most likely win the game, but great exposure for the USF program. Good exposure for Alabama to get some recruiting ties done here in the state of Florida this weekend uh, to, for, for that for that thing. Um, so, uh, again, big, big, big opportunity for USF to try to maybe make the game competitive. Uh, again, year one of Alex Golish here at USF in Tampa, off to a one-on-one start. So we'll see uh, what the Crimson Tide faithful, how they travel to Raymond James Stadium on Saturday. I will be in the building along with my boy David Precise, a huge Alabama fan coming down from Columbus, Ohio. We will be in the building in the front row of the end zone. So uh, we'll have some good seats and, and, and see the action up close and personal uh, in Raymond James Stadium. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, first time I've been to a big USF game in a while, so it'll be fun to see what the environment is. And again, this should be a pretty close to a sellout when you when you combine the traveling uh, Alabama fans, the USF faithful that are going to be coming out in full force for this game. So uh, be a fun weekend in Tampa. you got the Bears and Bucks on Sunday at Raymond James. Uh, the Bucks with a nice win that we're going to talk about here in just a couple minutes to get off their season. There'll be a ton of Chicago Bear fans in town probably coming to the game as well. So be a good atmosphere in Tampa this weekend uh, in Raymond James Stadium. So looking forward to all that and my guy Dave coming down and we're going to have a good time this weekend. So uh, those are your college football notes for the week. Again, not a great schedule. Uh, a couple decent games. you got Florida-Tennessee. If you want to get a full preview of that game, head to my Florida Football Insiders podcast. We have a full breakdown from both the Tennessee and the Florida side, talking to guys that cover both teams. So Florida Football Insiders, part of the Coast College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast feed. Check it out. Uh, again, some good content, breaking down both Florida-Tennessee. That's going to be the primetime game on ESPN, Saturday night with Herb Street and Fowler. Remember, Thursday night football starts this week on Amazon, so you you're going to get a full dose of Herb Street. Now, Michaels, I think they got Philadelphia, Minnesota Thursday night. Then he's out to Boulder for Saturday, and he's going to head to Saturday night to Gainesville. So, busy one of the f- first busy weekend for, for Herb Street and of many more. So, uh, that'll be, a, that, that'll be a, a frequent flyer uh, special for Herb Street going from Philadelphia to Boulder back to Gainesville all within about 36 hours. So, and you also have LSU and Mississippi State, Georgia, South Carolina. Uh, you know, Mississippi State, LSU could be a game. Don't expect Georgia and South Carolina to be a big game, but you never know. And then you got uh, you got a couple of uh, Big Ten games. This should be, again, next week's a tremendous card with college football. A ton of huge matchups, interconference, match, match, inter, interconference matchups next week. I know you got Florida State-Clemson. You got Ohio State-Notre Dame. You have, uh, again, Colorado and Oregon potentially, which is a huge game. So a ton of really good matchups next week uh, around the country in the college football scene. So, all right, let's uh, let's hit the U.S. Open before we get to the NFL. Uh, Coco Golf, uh, Novak Djokovic win the titles at, uh, in Flushing Meadow over the weekend. Nice job by Coco Golf coming back in the final against uh, uh, 
Sabalenka down a set. She comes back and wins in three sets. Djokovic beats Medvedev in straight sets, but he had an epic second set, which is like an hour and 40 minutes when Medvedev had a couple of set points, up 5-4 in the tiebreaker and can't get it done. And then just Djokovic just wears him down and just grinds it out in three sets. So Djokovic's 24th major championship, which is incredible to believe. Coco Golf's first, so... Uh, you, you have the new star of American tennis that's finally won her Grand Slam, so now we can she can get that off of her monkey, uh, off her the the monkey off her back on that front. Now she can 19 years old, so she's going to be a major force here for the next 10 to 12 years at least. So good for Coco Golf, who's a Florida girl. I think she's from the Delray Beach area. Um, so big shout out, obviously Djokovic with his history and and, and all that stuff. So congratulations to both of those guys. Uh, Coco and Djokovic, and then uh, you saw the retirement of John Isner, the uh, longtime American player, retired as well at following the U.S. Open. So, all right, NFL Week One. Uh, again, we're going to get into some of the storylines with TJ and George, but a couple. Du- I'm going to give you three duds and three studs from Week One as far as teams go. My duds of the week were Pittsburgh, Seattle, and the Giants. Obviously, the Giants got boat raced on Sunday night. Uh, they're not that bad. I think they will recover uh, and play better, much better uh, this week. You got Pittsburgh, who got beat pretty pretty soundly, and as Mike Tomlin said, got their teeth kicked in by the 49ers in their building. This is a big, big week for Pittsburgh. They host Cleveland Monday night. This is almost a must-win game, in my opinion, for Pittsburgh. One, because you don't want to go to 0-2, and two, and two, you got two home games. If you lose both, you'll lose, have lost two home games. Uh, you got to play much better if you're Kenny Pickett. Uh, didn't the defense did not play great? Uh, they did suffer a couple injuries. Hayward's out, Deontay Johnson's out, so that'll be a factor. Cleveland played really well over Cincinnati last week on the uh, shutting down Burrow and company. And Seattle, big letdown in Week One, lose to the Rams by double digits at home. Nobody thought the Rams. I didn't for sure. Didn't think the Rams could go in there and win that game with so many young guys. They played. Give the Rams credit. They ran the ball well. They threw the ball well with Stafford. Defense played better, and Seattle is now facing a major issue. 0-2 is very much a possibility as they go to Detroit. Some offensive line issues for Seattle. Not a lot of good adjustments in the game with Geno and the offensive, uh, you know, offensive play calling. Didn't like a whole lot of that. So Seattle, big trouble possible if they go down to Detroit 0-2 here. Studs of the week. We're going to start with Detroit on Thursday night. Great job going to Kansas City. I know there was no Kelsey, but as Mike Tirico uh, inadvert- uh, ill-advisedly said, this is not an asterisk. That's a great win for Detroit. No asterisk. Huge win. They beat the champs in their building the night of the, the celebration. Um, Golf, they win by Golf and company, get it done. The defense was really good. They did enough on offense, and, and so give Detroit all the credit there. The 49ers was another big uh, big win. Again, on the road, a lot of people thought Pittsburgh was going to beat them. Remember, no uh, Nick Bosa played, had only practiced one or two days. Purdy showed that he's back from his elbow injury. The diversity of that offense, they can run the ball, they can throw the ball. McCaffrey was excellent. Defense was really good. And I'm going to throw in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everybody thought Tampa post-Tom Brady was going to be a dumpster fire. Um, They really played well at Minnesota, a tough place to play. Went and beat the 13-win Minnesota Vikings from 2022. I know it's not the same Minnesota team, but it's still a huge win for Todd Bowles and the Buccaneers with Mayfield, who played pretty well. They got a very winnable game this weekend in Chicago. 
Stay tuned for the picks for the week on that. But, again, great start for the Buccaneers, especially on defense. Played really well and winning in a tough environment uh, in a division that's winnable. They can win. They, if they go 9-8 and eight in that division, they got a great chance to be in the mix. And I think winning a game like that will catapult them to better things to come moving forward. So, uh, fantasy-wise, again, Rodgers goes down. We're going to talk about that in depth with TJ and George. Of course, I have Rodgers on my team, and I'm down like seven points Monday night, which in my league, seven points with the quarterback playing is nothing. Of course, he blows his Achilles in the first four plays, so of course I lose. Um, so 0-1 for Pewter in one league, and then in my other league, I dominate the perennial champion in that league, so Pewter Powers gets it done in the T-Town League over PV and company. Uh, so shout out to... Uh, all the doubters and the haters, the Dion haters and the pewter haters in the uh, TTFL, TTFFL Fantasy Football League, pewter powers 1-0 and and off to the races yet again. So um, three picks for the week. Last thing, we'll get to George and TJ. My picks of the week this week. Last week I went 2-1. and one. I had Colorado, I had the Bucks, and I had Seattle as the lone loser, the Seahawks. I'm going back to the Buccaneers well again. Tampa Bay minus three um, at home against Chicago home opener. It's going to be a hot day. Chicago coming down from the uh, from from the Midwest will not be used to this heat, heat and humidity. They're going to be in dark jerseys. I love Tampa Bay in this game minus the three. Get the pick in now before you before the weekend comes. I think this number is going to rise three and a half or so. If you can get it at two and a half, do it. But get it at three bucks minus three at home. Mayfield, the receiving core. Chicago was awful last week, and I know they won't be as bad, but I just do not believe in Justin Fields. The passing game is a disaster. They didn't run the ball very well. Um, so give me the bucks minus three at home. Pick number two. I like the Steelers on Monday night against Cleveland. I think Pittsburgh is a bounce back game for them. Desperation. I know they got a couple of injuries, but uh, give me the Steelers and Tomlin to bounce back after a lackluster performance. Deshaun Watson did not play great against uh, Cincinnati. He was fortunate enough. The defense played really well with Jim Schwartz, Miles Garrett, and company. But I like the Steelers to win a close game at home Monday night. Remember, there's two Monday night games next week, Cleveland-Pittsburgh, and you also have, I think, New Orleans-Carolina. So give me Pittsburgh on Monday night. And my third pick is going to be a two-team teaser. Um, you can move the point spread on these teasers. Six points. you got to put two teams together. I love the Giants going out to the desert to see Arizona. They got their butts kicked. They got embarrassed Sunday night. I think you're going to see a monster performance out of the Giants. Arizona played well in Washington, but they're still not very good. I think the Giants are going to see a you're going to see a much more buttoned up effort, uh, execution both sides of the ball. They had special teams issues last week, so give me the Giants tease down to minus a half or plus a half, depending on where you're shopping. And I like the 49ers again on the road at Los Angeles. The spread is eight. Move the spread down to two. I like the 49ers. The physicality of the defense. Purdy, the diversity of the offense, and I think uh, uh, Shanahan owns McVay. So give me the 49ers minus two paired with the Giants minus a half. That's your teaser uh, three-pack for the week. There you have it. Appreciate you finding us. Powers on Sports Podcast. George Offman, TJ Reeves coming up in just a minute. And we'll be back in just a moment following a couple of uh, messages. And TJ and George, Powers on Sports Podcast. Now a word from TicketSmarter.com. Well, guys, ladies and gentlemen, this is a terrific weekend. Uh, if you're looking for secondary market tickets, 
You have Florida, Tennessee, if you're in the, anywhere in the Tampa Bay area in the state of Florida. You also have Alabama, USF. You have uh, in the on, on Sunday, you have Bucks, Bears. Anywhere around the country, whatever your favorite college football team is, not a lot of huge matchups this week, but the state of Florida is loaded. But if you're in an NFL town, tons of huge matchups in the National Football League. If you are in the market for secondary tickets, go to TicketSmarter.com. That is your place to go for tickets on the secondary market. All games, all venues, all around the country. You got baseball playoffs coming up. You have NFL, college football. The NBA is not too far around the corner. Come, come to TicketSmarter.com. Go to the mobile app for the get-in price, and then check the better, lower-level seat prices. Cool thing about with the TicketSmarter.com, you can use the code POWERS10. POWERS10 will get you $10 off an order of $100 or more. Or if you are ended up buying tickets that, that you spend $300 or more, you can save $20 with the code POWERS20. So TicketSmarter.com, the technology gives you the most competitive pricing on the secondary market. Your purchase with Ticket Smarter is safe and guaranteed. You can use my promo code POWERS10 or POWERS20 as many times as you want during the football season and all throughout the year. Think smarter, ticket smarter, and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. And remember the code POWERS10. Get your tickets now. And now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market to purchase your first time home, relocate to the state of Florida, or just purchase that second home or investment property? Well, if so, Titan Home Lending can help you get financing for that new home purchase. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404, and I can help you get pre-approved in less than one day. A pre-approval is critical in order to make that offer on your home. You want to know how much of a home you can make an offer on, and getting a pre-approval will allow you to do that. From an FHA, VA, conventional loan, jumbo loan, bank statement loans, there are numerous loan options out there to help you get into your house of your dreams. You can also renovate. You can do a renovation loan, which will allow you to make home improvements and finance the costs into the loan. So reach out to Titan Home Lending anywhere in the state of Florida for your next home purchase. 205-790-1404. Now a word from our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions, as well as Star Alvarado, our realtor here on the podcast. If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay Area. From St. Pete to Tampa to Wesley Chapel and anywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. And Print and Marketing Solutions, my guy Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located on the corner of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs, corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies, anything in between, Todd is your print and marketing specialist. Again, print and marketing specialist, Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887.
All right, welcome back, Powers on Sports Podcast. We are week two of the National Football League season, week three of the college football season. We've got two great guests for you this week. We're going to talk to uh, George Offman, a 40-year-plus media member in the city of Chicago as the Bears come to Tampa Tampa, uh, Raymond James Stadium on Sunday afternoon for week two as the Bears visit the the, the 1-0 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And from the other side of that matchup, we have T.J. Reeves, Buccaneers Radio, who's going to be a a regular here on the podcast. And we're going to talk to T.J. about we're going to talk to both George and T.J. about just some National Football League topics, as well as the Bears and Buccaneers matchups. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, how are you? We're all good, brother. The Bucs want to know, like you said. And what a surprise. The Bears are already smarting. George, I just have to ask before Jason starts firing away, are they still up on the high buildings midweek? Because I thought this was supposed to be a new Chicago Bears. Aaron Rodgers is not in Green Bay, blah, blah, blah. And it looked an awful lot like what we've seen before. So are are the Bears fans ready to write the season off after week one, or what's the deal? I think many of them are about to jump out basement windows. It's really not a good situation. I mean, sports radio has been inundated with people that want to fire everybody. And to be perfectly honest with you, I watched the game and I was stunned. They actually looked worse than last year. And you're thinking to yourself, they made a lot of offseason moves to improve their offense and their defense. And they looked so totally unprepared. And Justin Fields looked like he did last year, which was not good when it comes to a passer. So it was stunning to say the least. I mean, yes, people are really angry here. Yeah, watch, watching that game Sunday, it was a disaster offensively. I mean, it was <laughs> it was pitiful, and 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 a lot of questions have to be answered with just. And if they throw another dud in here Sunday in Tampa, there will be some, like you said, a lot of there'll be some people flying off the uh, skyscrapers there in Chicago. They have to play the Chiefs in Kansas City the next week. How about an zero and three start? Mm. all right number one question everybody wants to know before we started here george had a new mattress delivered to the house (laughs) the mattress the mattress police wants to know did you cut off the mattress tag okay i know that (laughs) reference okay i sat back because i was waiting for the end to see if you would stick that in and you went second question (laughs) what we what we should say to the audience is sometimes the better segments of the show are off the air and George uh, is ready to like. Speaking of fire, uh, everyone, he's ready to head down to the mattress company with a torch <laughs> and a pitchfork over what was being done. And Powers goes right in with the mattress uh, question as the second question as an inside joke. I'm glad you're going to be sleeping comfortably in the Offman Estate. That's all I'm glad for on that. Yes, so am I. There's still a lot of work to be done, but uh, yes, the mattress is here. Thank you for asking. <laughs> And it fits in perfectly with the Bears scenario right now because the way they're playing, uh, a lot of Bears fans are saying, I, I got to go lie down. I can't watch this anymore. Right. Uh, no, no, they don't want to do that because they already saw the Bears lie down. Yeah, that's true. It's and also, and, and, and also I want to ask a draft question. All seriousness, was there any specul? Was there any chatter of seriousness of keeping the number one pick in the draft last year and drafting Bryce Young and trading Justin Fields, or was that never even on the table? Well, back then it was, of course it was. That the, there was a lot of scenarios involved there. 
that are is this management team going to stick with Fields? The answer was yes. What they did was a terrific trade, honestly. Right. They got a really good wide receiver who, by the way, was targeted twice. Exactly. He's their best player, targeted twice back to back. That's a huge issue among many issues in that game. So now, of course, the Bears do have some draft picks for next year. And the thought process is already, yeah. if this doesn't work, they may be drafting another quarterback, which they've been doing over and over and over in my lifetime, which has spanned, I'm not going to tell you how many years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, fellas, let's stay in that division, or let's stay in the, uh, let's stay, somebody who used to be in that division. Let's talk about the Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers injury Monday night. What a, what a, obviously a car, uh, what a uh, disastrous of, turn of events for the Jets and such. Four plays in, he's done for the year. Um, just obviously, George, you know Rodgers well being in that division, and TJ, you've covered him for years and years. What a blow to the Jets, and 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 just just talk about the deflation that the Jets franchise must be feeling. Go, TJ. Well, I mean, uh, I, I've talked to New York people for the last couple of days, and they're going through like the twelve steps of you know anger, denial, all, all the different uh, forms of grief uh, here with this to only have him for four plays. It's remarkable. Uh, that it's over that fast. It's stunning that it's over that fast. I think that there was some belief that he might struggle, but I, I don't think anybody believed it's going to be over before it ever begins. And and Jet fans at this point are convinced they're cursed. No matter what they do, they can't they can't figure it out. They have a promising running back, Brees Hall, last year. Of course, he tears his ACL. They actually may have something uh, straightened out on defense, and then a player gets suspended for whatever reason for PEDs or or something. Or you know, they they draft Zach Wilson, who looked like he might be blossoming into a quarterback, and he goes completely south. Not unlike what Justin Fields has done, and now they got to turn back to that guy. They got to turn back to Zach Wilson unless they make a trade for somebody else. So it's a mess. Uh, George, I just wonder, was there a lot of talk in and around Chicago too? Because Green Bay won the game. Jordan Love looked fantastic. And I don't I don't want to say they were gloating Sunday, but they had to be thrilled with how Love played and how the Packers played against the Bears without Aaron Rodgers, right? Well, yeah, Love was much more effective than Fields, which is not saying a great deal, but he was good. And I, I predicted the Packers would win the game. This is a team that has great history with quarterbacks. And, of course, they've just destroyed the Bears over 30 years. This guy sat the way Aaron Rodgers did for, what, three years before he really got a chance to be a starter. So I was impressed by the way he played. I was impressed by the way he was coached, which was the opposite of what the Bears did. Everything that could go wrong did. The game plan was bad. The coaching was bad. The players were bad. They've got to be better. And I think you know the odds here is when teams lose by double digits, they usually wind up winning the next game. That's happened a lot over the recent years. But, I mean, as far as Aaron Rodgers here, stunned by some of the reaction. There are people who said good for him. They're thrilled of what happened. And that's really terrible. It's awful. You know, as much as Aaron Rodgers was a thorn in the bear's side and last year said, I own you, which he really did, the fact of the matter is, Look, he was he was resurrecting a career in New York, very celebrated, great for the game, and poof, gone in a second. So for me, that was awful. It was too bad. Great win for the Jets, by the way, sure, sure. Uh, whose defense 
still really, really good, but it was a terrible situation. And and we keep bringing this back to, and Jason, I'm trying not to monopolize this, but we can bring it back to Tampa Bay in 2020 in the crazy year because Tom Brady at 43 years old with a much better offensive line, hello, never got hit. He wasn't not only not getting sacked, he wasn't getting touched in a lot of these games. It was remarkable that they they kept him so well protected like a fortress. Jason, you know this, in front of him. And at 43 years of age, he had a phenomenal season, and he may have even had a better season at 44 the next year. 5,000 yards and like 47 touchdowns in a 17-game season the following year at age 44, and it's largely because of the protection and the blocking, and the Jets didn't do as good a job maybe of fortifying that line. I mean, we don't know. I mean, it was four plays into the season. We don't know if this would have been a recurring thing where they were all over him every game, and eventually he's going to get hurt. But, uh, man, it just makes you appreciate, Jason, what Brady did in 2020 even more at 43 years old. And here's, and here's an unseen factor that not many people have talked about on the play that Rodgers got hurt. We've always ridiculed Brady about throwing the ball away. Rodgers could have thrown that ball away and not taken that hit and just thrown it in the ground and moved to the next down, and he didn't. And thus he got wrapped up and tangled up and got hurt where Brady would have 1,000% thrown that ball right in the dirt, gone to the next down, and not got hit. Yeah, but there's a bottom line to this too. Number one, that's not Aaron Rodgers' game. Aaron Rodgers can run. He's been a loser his entire career. Number two, the blaming of the turf. Forget about that. It was a freak injury. It happened. Well, you know, I can relate this. Uh, George, you'll remember this. They were playing at Lambeau on an opening night, like a Sunday night, back probably seven or eight years ago, and he didn't get rid of the ball, and one of the Bears landed on him and broke his collarbone, remember? Yeah. Uh, yep. And so it's kind of a similar thing on you can be a hero and you can be mobile and running around, and then you can also cost yourself if one of those 300-pounders or 275-pounders lands on you like what was done. And I know we're dissecting this like we're NFL players no. or NFL quarterbacks, but I mean, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that the Jets season is in peril, if not over because of this. Mm-hmm. So much was based around him and they got him for four plays. So it should be scrutinized uh, the way that we're scrutinizing it. And let's go, let's go there. Where do the Jets go from here? A lot of speculation the last few days. Do you trade for a guy like Jameis? There's some speculation of a guy like Jameis Winston. Do you, how long? Mm. How much of a leash do you give Zach Wilson? Do you give him three or four games to see what he can do and then make a move? I'm going to throw out a couple names that I think if the if their teams get off to slow starts, they're in the last year of their contracts, they could be a viable option four or five weeks from now. Kirk Cousins, Minnesota. Ryan Tannehill, Tennessee. Give me your thoughts. Am I, George, way, am I crazy? Got it. Got a thought no, on either one of those names? You're not, but I think that the Jets, I don't know who their backup quarterback is now, but they're going to need one now. They're going to need a veteran now, not to replace the current quarterback, right. but as a backup just in case. Now, down the road, that just depends. Depends on how the Vikings wind up doing. And I have a feeling that while they will not be 13-3 and three this year, they're not going to be 3-13 and 13 right. either. Right. So. I think the first thing that the Jets are going to have to do is bring in a veteran vet, backup quarterback, and then see how Jones does as things go along. That scenario you're talking about, that's weeks away. Right, right. No, you're well, not. And, I, and if I'm not mistaken, Jason, I'm trying to remember from the preseason game. I have trouble remembering what I had for breakfast this morning. But from the preseason game, is it you not – You too? Is it, is it not the uh, – I want to say, was it the Minnesota quarterback 
the Minnesota college quarterback, like Tanner Morgan. Do I have that right? I think was the third quarterback in the preseason, but they don't have him on the active roster. And to George's point, you got to have a veteran that's at least played some in the NFL because right. what happens if something happens to Zach Wilson? Right. You, right. I mean, you can't just turn it over to a totally unproven guy uh, at this point. So the Cousins one is interesting because I just saw them, obviously, with the Bucks winning in the uh, U.S. Bank Stadium loud environment. I think I just got my hearing back on Tuesday morning uh, as we do this <laughs> podcast midweek from how God bless loud it was with the PA and the music. Uh, Cousins had some turnovers. Uh, obviously, they won 13 games last year, but you bring up the point that he's in the final year of his deal. They have no obligation beyond this year right. to him. And your premise was if the Vikings struggle, the Vikings, as we release this podcast, play the Eagles on Thursday night football. Right. All right. If they're 0 and 2, if they're 1 and 3, if they're 1 and 4, are they more? Are they showing an appetite? We might deal Cousins to New York and let him try it out with the Jets and see what we can get in return. I don't know, but it makes right. for juicy podcast conversation. That's right. That's right. That. All right. Week one of the NFL season. Give me a couple of teams that impressed you, George, uh, and a couple of duds, obviously where you're at Chicago is probably in the dud category, but give, give me a couple of teams that you really thought, man, they played much higher than I thought they would, or boy, they really underachieved in week one. Well, the Cleveland Browns would be one for sure. Um, I'm not totally sold on Baker Mayfield. I think the Bengals are still going to be very good and possibly a Super Bowl team. But that was the one team that really surprised me. But then there are a lot of surprises in the first week. It's just how these teams develop. When you're talking about the Vikings, I just don't see them being a one and fourteen. Right. You know, I don't think you drop from 13 and three and suddenly fall off the face of the earth. Yes, they could lose the Thursday night game. To the Eagles, um, you know, who are certainly the Eagles are looking to bounce back. But uh, to be honest with you, um, the Dallas Cowboys winning Ooh. four more, more than New York Giants, the Dallas Cowboys, that to me is a fluke as well. The Giants aren't like that. They're not that bad. And the Cowboys aren't that good. How about Vikings play the Eagles this week, then Chargers at home at Carolina? That's easier. So that's the first four games. Then Chiefs at home. And then at someone's Chicago Bears, Mr. Offman, what is what is their record five games from now off to the 0-1 start playing at Eagles, Chargers at home, at Panthers, Chiefs at home, at Bears? They they could be two and five with the only win being Carolina. Yeah. I'm not I'm not being yeah. just hyperbole guy on the podcast, but they could be three and four, two and five. And then and maybe Troy and then gets maybe out to just, a fast start and they're four games back in the division or three or yeah. four games back in the division, then maybe that's something. That how do you, how do you not take the Dallas Cowboys as one of the surprise performances, not just that they won, but 40 to nothing. Did right. you see the stat that and I don't have it all, but in the New York giants history, history of the New York giants, they have not had a single season with a blocked field goal single season, with a blocked field goal return for a touchdown and an interception return for a touchdown and having five turnovers in a game, which they did, and I think it's like two more, and being shut out, and it's like two more things. It's like six things. In the same season, they have not had that, and all of it happened Sunday night against the Dallas Cowboys. That's how catastrophic week one was 
but it's only one game yeah. and I think they right. will be fine. I don't think they're a three and 14, four and 13 team. I think they will be fine. I don't know if they're a 10 win team, but that's gotta be the shocker. And then the surprising one is Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs losing and, and the lack of weapons, especially without Travis Kelsey, how, Jason powers to you, how mortal did Mahomes look? And is that a concern moving forward on this? Obviously, no Kelsey affects their game plan of how they attack people and all that stuff. I don't think the Chiefs will have that many drop issues. I mean, I think that was kind of a fluke of all the drops they had. I'm not as concerned about that. But, yeah, I mean, Chris Jones is back in the mix, though. That's a good That's a good sign. They re-signed him, so he'll be back playing. Uh, the defense actually played much better than I thought they would against Detroit on that Thursday night. But, you know, Mahomes is Mahomes. And over the course of 17 games, they're going to win – minimum 10 games. I mean, whether they were 14 and three is one thing, but they're going to be right there in, the, in that division. And with, with the chargers, the way they are in Denver and the Raiders, that that's still their division to win. Let me tell Fair you enough. something. My prediction at the beginning of this season before it began was a super bowl that would involve the Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> and the Detroit lions, which is a real <laughs> sleeper pick on my yeah. part. But that team is not only on the rise, they're flying. They that are. is a team. That is that got tremendous amount of talent with a whole bunch of really good draft picks and a quarterback who seems to be revitalized and a coaching staff that's on fire. That's a good team. And we will see the uh, the Lions come here. George, you'll appreciate this when the Bucks put on the creamsicle orange uh, coming up <laughs> in October, the yes. throwback game, the first time in a decade they'll do the throwback in the orange will be against the Lions coming in October. And, yeah, it's fascinating. Lions have the Seahawks this week, Jason, as you know, uh, for the matchup at home. And they they do look like a hungry, together team that got the stops when they had to. So that was very impressive uh, from them. Do you know and, what I would rather see, TJ? I would rather see <laughs> the Buccaneers wear those creamsicle outfits and the Bears wear their orange jerseys this Sunday. That would... And then everybody can pretend it's Halloween and hype. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. Uh, well, the, the fascinating thing, I will I will tell you uh, this story. I moved here. Jason's uh, obviously a native. I moved here in the mid-80s when those Bears were rolling and eventually world champs um, with the 80, with the 86 Bears. Uh, but they would they would roll in with Walter Payton and with that defense and Mike Singletary in the middle. Uh, Ditka, and, Ditka and then Ditka coaching right with the fridge and with Dan Hampton. And these are guys that George has interviewed on his podcast, by the way. Dan Hampton, Gary Fensick. Uh, a lot of those guys uh, on that 86 Bears team. And then eventually McMahon's the quarterback. Willie Galt's the receiver. They would come and destroy the Buccaneers, the bad orange-clad Buccaneers of John McKay and Lehman Bennett and Ray Perkins. George, with impunity, they would come in here and kick the crap out of the Buccaneers. And there'd be thirty or 40,000 Bears fans at Tampa Stadium every time that they would do it. So that's my initial experience that decade of the Bears being here and roughing up. Uh, the Buccaneers. What's interesting is that ever since the Tony Dungy, John Gruden days and things flipping around, the Bucs have been much better in the series against Chicago, including yeah. winning a couple of years ago at home. So it's kind of flipped well, around, but the, I just, I remember those Bears days, those Bears games in the 80s in Tampa. Remember the 85 season began with a victory over the Buccaneers at Soldier Field, in which I think Tampa led 14 to nothing. It was a shootout game. I think the Bears won 38-24 and after that, I don't believe they allowed 10 points in a single game. Wow. Many they, more than 10 points in a game. 
They uh, they played the, those were the Lehman Bennett Buccaneers. His first season, eighty five. Those those Buccaneers were awful at two and fourteen, but they played competitively in both games, including in the game in Tampa. And I got the chance, Jason, to speak to Richard Dent a few years ago. And George knows him, and George has interviewed him a bunch. He's in the Hall of Fame. He was there for a Bucks Bears game, and I came over and I introduced myself and I complimented him and I said, uh, you know, congratulations on being in the Hall of Fame. And I said that 85 season was so magical. I said, what I remember is the Bucs were very competitive with you in both games. He goes, we didn't take them seriously, and they were a lot better than their 2-14 and record. He goes, they were in both games against us. As awful as that Buccaneer season was, to George's point, uh, when the Bears were rolling along. But I'm telling you, Walter Payton would come around the end in like 1984 or 1985 at old Tampa stadium. And the crowd would erupt with bears fans at Tampa stadium with Walter doing that shake leg hesitation move and take off and lower his shoulder and blast a Buccaneer defender out of bounds. You thought you were at soldier field when that was happening. It it used to be that way. The 80 bears and particularly the 85 team, which historically is probably the best defensive team in one season in the history of the league. They were also an extremely entertaining team. Yes. They had a lot of entertaining players from Jim McMahon to the fridge to Walter Payton to Otis Wilson to Singleton. Yep. They had a bunch of entertaining players. So you can understand why fans glommed and the Bears fans would travel. They were like the Beatles for a year. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. You're listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm, I'm along with TJ Reeves, Buccaneer Radio Network, host of the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Does a lot of great stuff on a lot of different uh, platforms. Does some bo- great boxing stuff as we get into the fall boxing season. George Offman, the uh, longtime sports media member in the Chicago market. He's the uh, host of the Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast. Talk to a lot of Chicago media personalities, former players and such. I want to ask you a question about a guy who's struggling up there, and you know him well, Steve McMichael. Talk about mm-hmm. his struggle and, you know, obviously all the all the sentiment around the the – the hope that it's a better result than we think it's going to be with Steve and the struggles he's going through. Well, I think right now the hope is that he is alive by the time the hall of fame voting is done, uh, which a lot of people believe he will finally be inducted. Right. Uh, That's the big question. I mean, he's got ALS and he is struggling and not many people survive ALS for an extensive period of time. Uh, one of my closest friends uh, lost his life because of ALS. But that sentiment is great. Uh, he really belonged in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. The problem was that a lot of the voters saw him being the guy who was helped by the Singletaries and the Dents. And yet, statistically, in sacks, I believe he's right among the top sack players in the history of the league, the most sacks. That alone should have gotten him into the Hall of Fame. So it's taken too long, uh, but I expect that to happen on the Super Bowl weekend. Uh, people crossing their fingers that uh, Mongo will be alive for it. Right. And and again, George has interviewed a lot of his teammates throughout right. uh, his radio career and on his podcast, and they swear by what McMichael meant to that defense and that defensive line for all of the attention that William Perry got and or deserved or Mike Singletary got or Richard Dent got or the guys in the secondary got uh, McMichaels. I mean, George, you were telling me his stats in terms of sacks and tackles and defensive play, they stack up with all of the guys in his era 
that are Hall of Fame yeah. caliber guys. We're not, we're oh, not, absolutely. I mean, we're not putting somebody on the finalist ballot that's an undeserving member. And that's what the point is. So, yeah. Uh, and I thought it was neat that Walter Payton's son uh, was in the room with right. Steve McMichael. It's a, it's a very, uh, it's, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch Steve McMichael in the state that he's in, ALS. But uh, Jarrett Payton was in the room right. uh, with him when the when the announcement when the notification came you've made the finalist list to go in the hall of fame and they were having a bit of a celebration because jason this is awful he may not live until right. january right. when they when they do the official vote but at least jared payton was able to be there with him and chicago's got their figurative arms around him um in just what is an awful circumstance there's no doubt last question for you guys and i'll get and i'll get you out i'm going to change topics we're going to go to a a feel-good story in the city of chicago here throughout the summer and hopefully into the fall how about the chicago cubs what a what a tremendous i mean, in you all mean there's a feel-good story here well i mean nobody thought they would be where they're at now at this point of, of the of the baseball season they've really come out of nowhere played really well as a team david ross the manager what is the sentiment and the excitement level in, in, in on the north side there with the Cubs? It's funny because I just interviewed uh, Jim Deshays for the podcast yesterday, which will air next Tuesday. Uh, you know, I, they may be a year ahead, but this is a very talented and likable team. Right now, they've got some struggles because they've got some people on the, uh, on the disabled list or the injury list, uh, not the least of which is their closer, Alzalei. Right. who's really been very, very good in that role. Uh, and uh, Candelario is also on the DL as well. But they have so many mix-and-match players. And obviously, uh, you know, Bellinger has been one of the catalysts of all of this. He's having a spectacular – remember, this guy missed five weeks of the season, still can wind up with over 100 runs batted in. Uh, Dansby Swanson was a great signing. Nico Horner has been great. Their defense is just outstanding. Seo Suzuki, after he was benched for several games, has come back and has had a spectacular last 35, 40 games. You know, and right now they're ahead in the wild card, which is likely what they're going to be getting if they can hold on. Because, you know, the they were within a game and a half of the Brewers, then they lost three straight to Arizona. They end the season, by the way, on the road, three games in Atlanta and three games in Milwaukee. That is really tough. But it's been a very entertaining team. The question now is, is whether or not uh, they can get, you know, their top starter from the beginning of the season to, to come back uh, and to be prepared for the playoffs. Who would have thought that their best pitchers right now, uh, Jason, uh, Justin Steele, for sure. Right. right. Kyle Hendricks, uh, Jordan Licks, uh, Assad. Who are these guys? Right. Well, they're part of the pitching staff now. You know, Sloman, like I said, had a great first half and then suddenly fell off the cliff and then had a terrible injury. So, you know, they've got a lot of question marks as the season winds down. And we've got just a couple of weeks left, but they've been very entertaining. I spied George Offman at a day game at Wrigley on my social media. You were catching a day game at Wrigley. There's nothing like I haven't gotten to do that. You got to invite me sometime to a day game at Wrigley. I haven't gotten to do that. Uh, yet and I, I was just thinking when you were saying that are Cubs fans allowed right now and allowing themselves to think about October 
Have we gotten close oh, yeah. enough where they can allow themselves? Because usually they're a, they're a chicken little bunch. The sky is falling, and they will not even entertain two the weeks to go. Of, we got uh, two yeah, weeks right. to go. I know, but they, they, it may be like it, it, until two days to go before we start accepting. Okay, now we can talk about October. Now we can talk about no. The they've been doing it. They've been doing it for a month, and I think they see right. recently. And they've, the got, they've got talent. This is a pretty interesting team, but it's also a feast and famine team, which has really been amazing. You know, they are one of the leading uh, scoring teams in the league, and they can go through stretches where they score 10 runs a game on average and then just completely shut it off and score a run or two or three or two. That's the way they've been. Uh, so they need their offense to really click consistently now but that's just been the whole season it's been an inconsistent offense that is a good offense it's not a home run driven offense but it's been good enough no a lot of cubs fans are looking at this team and saying they they should be in the playoffs how far they go that's another matter they don't think it's a world series team you never know in the the game of baseball though the cool thing is if we can get to the final weekend of the season and all the marbles are on the line with Cubs and Brewers with how close and pro- what is it, 100 miles, yep. something like that? Yeah. 90 miles, but yeah, at the I bottom mean, I just think that the Brewers I, – I don't think that the Cubs are going to catch the Brewers from the division. I, I really don't see the Brewers have been playing right. terrific lately. I mean, the Cubs took two out of three for them ever since. I think the last 20 games, the Brewers' ERA is you know, like 2.3. Their pitching is spectacular. It really is. It's a, that's, we got to we got to catch you up on. Wait a minute. We got to catch you up on the real drama, which is Tampa Bay Rays, Baltimore Orioles, and the race in the American League East. Because everybody had that the twenty yeah, eighth right. and the 29th payroll, right. who have the two best records in the American League, and they play in Baltimore this coming weekend. Humongous what, George, uh, four uh, game Jason? Series. Four game series where Our the division Thursday. is ba- division is probably on the line this weekend because yeah. Baltimore maintains like a two or three game lead, right. and if they can win like three or four against the Rays, they can yeah. all but put the division away. So who would have thought that? Who would have thought that in the first month of the season? Looked like I'm, Tampa was going to run away with it. But the Orioles are another team that did the rebuild process. Yep. It's paying off dividends. No doubt. They drafted well, and they've been economical in who they've signed and all that stuff. Well, gentlemen, great job. I really appreciate the time. TJ, give the audience real quick where, where they can find you, Eugene and Dave, on the broadcast Sunday from the sidelines at Raymond James. Okay, Tampa Bay Area, 98 Rock, Buccaneer Affiliates, Buccaneers mobile app. You can also hear it on, on Sirius XM and tune in. Mean Gene Deckerhoff's 35th season got off to a win calling the Buccaneers victory in Minnesota. Now, this is the home opener uh, with the Bears, so we look forward to that at 1 o'clock Eastern time, noon George's time in Chicago. Uh, we look forward to it. It's going to be hot, George. Bears going to be in those dark uniforms. We'll see who's in shape in the second half and in the fourth quarter for that one, so it's going to be a blast. Jason, thank you as always. I love hanging out. I appreciate it, brother. And George Offman, tell everybody where they can find all the great stories. Tell me a story I don't know podcast and all the great stuff you do. Well, we do that uh, through Last Word on Sports. Uh, the next episode will be one with uh, Jim Deshays. We currently have one now with a longtime uh, trailblazer in Chicago radio. Her name is Cheryl Ray Stout. This is a person who broke two major Michael Jordan stories. There is, it's really a wonderful story. Uh, also, the book, Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, uh, Conversations with Chicago Sports Legends, will be out in November. So there's a lot to look forward to. I'm looking forward to reading my own book and making sure that everybody buys one like you and TJ. 
Yes, we want other people to read the book besides George. And by the way, let me just prop the podcast. This man has hustled unbelievably because yes. you're going to hear the likes on previous podcasts. If you go search the names, Michael Wilbon, Bob Costas has a Chicago tie. Mike uh, Greenberg. Uh, Joe Madden on this podcast. Mike Greenberg on this podcast. Uh, he recently talked to Brett Bielema, the coach at Illinois. Illinois has got a big one with Penn State this weekend. Brett yeah. Bielema yeah. may be already on the hot seat. In Big Ten, George just talked to him recently. Tremendous storytelling podcast fans. Go find Tell Me a Story. I don't know. Search it. Search it under Last Word on Sports Media, and you will find that podcast with all those episodes. And I look forward to many more fun ones that are going to be coming this fall from George and the book. It's fantastic. Well, gentlemen, have a great week and appreciate the time. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. See you. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.